The world is ever changing and sometimes we just need a helping hand. Hey, it's one more about the Rama. New apps here, new tech there, it's all very exciting. But it's nice to have something you can count on. Like insurance from State Farm. ¿Tienes preguntas sobre tu seguro? Con State Farm puedes llamar a tu agente o conectar con ellos. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You ever heard the phrase, the more things change, the more things stay the same? And while we love the excitement of new things, it's also nice to have the reliability of something constant. Hey, it's Wilmer Valderrama. And when it comes to insurance, State Farm is a good neighbor you can count on. Solo llama a tu agente. Another way State Farm helps is by supporting the creators and storytellers of the Michael Tuda Podcast Network family. Con la ayuda de State Farm, estamos ayudando y asegurándonos de que nuestras voces sean escuchadas. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. This is an official download from thecustardtv.com. It's the Custard TV podcast, the podcast that is obsessed with TV so that you don't have to be. You can go and have a life. Matt and I will watch stuff and tell you whether it's worth your time or not. Uh, how's your week been, Matt? Yeah, not bad. Um, I've been off uh, work this week. So oh, of course you have. Been to the cinema a couple of times, been to the gym, had a root canal. In that order? Yes, no, yeah. uh, the, the root canal was the first thing. Got a I little feel bit... like you've had a root canal before on the podcast, not on the podcast, obviously, because... Well, I've been be having... It, it's sort of a... Listeners obviously want to hear this, but it was yes. sort of a, a sort of layered treatment. Because I'd had a root canal, but it had... There was some infection in there, so they were taking the old one out, trying to treat the infection, and then putting a new one in, which they've done now. Next up is a crown, ladies and gentlemen, so I will... Uh... That'll be on Netflix... <laughs> Luke and Matt. This could be a podcast. A podcast? Don't you have to be some sort of whiz kid to do those? Uh, definitely not. Anyone with a computer can make one. Talking telly. Use your ears and trust them. This is the Custard TV podcast. Yes, that would entertain me briefly. From thecustardtv.com. So this week on the pod, we are discussing the long-awaited return of Sally Wainwright's semi-autobiographical uh, family drama Last Tango in Halifax, a similar-toned family drama on ITV called Flesh and Blood, the welcome return of Charlie and Daisy Mae Cooper's This Country, and episodes 2 and 3 of Rishi Smith and Steve Pemberton's anthology thriller series Inside Number 9. And, um, and the Rewind. Is and that the coming? Rewind. Crikey. Let's start with with something we've been looking forward to for a while. This is the return of this country. It made our top 50 shows of the decade. In fact, two of the shows we're discussing today were on that list. This is uh, Daisy May and Charlie Cooper, the sibling duo who write and star in this series, a mockumentary set in the Cotswolds about... Um, young people with very little structure in their lives, very little focus, and it just follows them around on their day-to-day activities like a mockumentary would. Of course, between the the Aftermath episode, which was a special last year, and this new one, they lost a um, a friend and a cast member in Michael Sleggs, and this was their tribute to both him as a friend and an actor, and as a character, it was called A Letter from Michael Sleggs, and it involved uh, Curtin finding a letter from Michael explaining that 
something he had got in trouble for, um, Kerry and Michael were actually the masterminds of. This all went on whilst Kerry was living, doing her day day job at the local tip. Um, why, what you never remember about this show is just how widely observed it is, how, how they just have such a way with the way they look at the world. Their comedy timing is incredible. It just, it just works. I don't think we need to say anything other or I need to say anything other than it just works. It's just, cause so many of these shows, like the American Office and Parks and Rec, you'd wonder why would these camera crews keep going back and... On this, you just, it just works. You don't question anything. They, it feels yeah, because this is so going to be the last one, isn't it? As yeah. well. So, um, yeah. yeah, no, I, I get, and I think what they did well in in terms of, as you say, this sort of tribute to, um, Slugs is the character, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Michael Sluggs is is the actor. Is it wasn't sort of overly maudlin and things like that. You know, they weren't no. sort of mourning him or anything you know they had their opening bit where it's like he was ill for a while and and he wanted to go to was it a zombie escape room or something Mm. like that Uh, and then we didn't go because he died Um, but it it was affectionate without being saccharine and sweet and then and the letter being delivered by the girlfriend and saying he did he wanted to have a clear conscience and it was it was something really sort of petty wasn't it about going on a holiday and and breaking in the bed yeah yeah i loved all the stuff with carrie at the at the recycling plant and stealing loads of stuff and it's great to just have these characters back for one final time i like now that more shows are announcing that this is going to be the final mm. series and i think it's good before these characters get too stale before they run out of things to do because i know there was a couple of episodes in the second series i think that you were a little bit down on didn't sort of a maybe little get, bit just because didn't hit I the like quality it, of yeah i like it when series. the pair are together like they were a lot in this episode and i think due to daisy's pregnancy while they were filming series two she was often separated from what was going on and the focus was was on curtain which is fine but i just like the dynamic between yeah. them and, and this episode had a lot of a lot the of them. stuff and with I, him cooking for her and, and yeah. turning her mum over in bed and i like the way they reference the fact they're being followed by these camera crew ever so often um it's just, it's just it's a really like good you mentioned show. the American Office and and they sort of didn't bring yeah. that up did they till the final season of that but and, uh, there was that line about her what was it being loyal to only two things and one was the TV channel Dave I love everything about it because mm. you just never know where it's going to go what it's going to reference yeah. I, there's I think not like... much we can be critical about here no. it's just going to be a just sort of a love say, fest it's, really it's still as good. As it ever was, and if you haven't jumped on the bandwagon yet, do before this series disappears. Um, series three drops every Monday yeah. at about seven. I was just going to say that's there. interesting, isn't it? Because the last two been all, all at the same time. Am I right yes. on that? Yeah, yeah, that you are right. But this one they've decided to do weekly. I think it's just just savor the fact that it's the final series and. Perhaps that final episode is really poignant or something and they don't want people going, oh, did you see the final episode of this country where dot, dot, dot happens, you know? So they've decided to not make it all available. I'm fine with that personally. So this country, Mondays at 10.35 on BBC One or a few hours earlier than that if you want to watch it on the iPlayer. That's the final series of the BBC Three hit comedy. Next up, I think I'll have Matt walk us through the basics of ITV's latest Monday night drama, stripped across the week. All four episodes will be on this week, Flesh and Blood. He always gives me the one uh, that he doesn't want to do. So Thank uh, you. 
<laughs> it starts with a, a a tragedy. We don't know what it is. Police have rocked up, speaking to um, a character called Mary, played by Melda Staunton. She's the next door neighbour to Vivian, who's played by Francesca Annis. She's recently widowed, I think, but the husband was a bit of a ne'er-do-well when he was alive. She started a relationship with a character called Mark, played by Stephen Rear. They've been together, was it, about six months or less yeah. than that, three months? It's yeah. been a short time, and the, and the first scenes are introducing her three adult children at the build-up to them meeting him for the first time, Mark. So we've got Helen, who's played by Claudie Blakely, who's the oldest child, works um, for a hospital trust. But it's the old, she's neglecting her family for her career, and she's got a stroppy teenage daughter. Familiar face Russell Tovey in this, playing Jake, the, the son of the family, who is a personal trainer, also a gambling addict, has been separated from his family due to his excessive spending, and basically becomes a gigolo for Sharon Small at the end of episode one. That was the most bizarre piece of casting, those two together, I think I've ever seen or heard of, they have no discernible chemistry at all together. Central casting, as is. Mm, mm. The youngest of the three children is Natalie, who's been having an affair with her boss. He is tempting her with the fact that they might be making their relationship legitimate, but his wife sort of clued up to it. And and I think that was the clunkiest scene, wasn't it, where she was there with his wife and, and she said something like, you won't win, you know, or something silly like that oh i think we could have a talk about what was the clunkiest moment yeah. <laughs> this is being narrated by uh, mary who is the nosy neighbor to the extent that she has binoculars that she's spying on quite literally on yeah. vivian the family she keeps coming around with cheese straws and, and it's one where you don't know what's happened but you know it's not good so Stephen ria's character is am i good am i bad you know we're, we're rooting mm. around in drawers oh no but we're just looking for the passport so we can have yeah. a weekend away together and then oh she's mysteriously hospitalized so i'll have to move in to look after her for a while and the, and the children are distrusting is imelda staunton a bit dodgy has she done something i kept thinking did she poison the cheese straws uh, that she that she bought round. You actually this, hang on. You actually kept thinking, did she poison the two straws? Well, because she was coming across more dodgy, wasn't she, as it went along? And I was thinking, well, she's just collapsed unknowingly, and she keeps baking for her. So that was that was my initial. You suspicion. had you were more invested in this than I was. What is the reason that these children are that against their mum moving on? You know, you get the insinuation that the dad was a bit yeah, of a, but they a they down they just learned that they just yeah, learned that uh, up but, until that point know, they thought he was a bit of a hero whereas in gold digger you at least had the you know he's younger and she's got money and there was a thing about her coming into some money but it's a man of a similar age they get on what's wrong with that you know <laughs> I, 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 I didn't i'm get, amazed I didn't, you've had this reaction to I, it. I didn't get the jeopardy the, the jeopardy, yeah. So that was my main... Th- and, the, and the second thing, I suppose, and, and you'll probably have the same thing, is lack of sort of sympathetic characters, really. Yeah. I mean... I do think, uh, and I think sometimes unfairly, uh, ITV gets this moniker, but I would absolutely say this is the most middle-class, white, mm. privileged yeah. piece of TV I think I've seen in a long, long time. I was just so uninterested in all of it. Like, I can see my mum enjoying this if I was to sit there with her, but otherwise... 
sort of like uh, broad church style cliffs you know they all lived on the seafront didn't they Melza Staunton and everyone had really nice houses Mm. you know you got the sort of the property none of them could be that poor because they all had like really nice houses I I have to confess that I was writing something it just became a radio play to me at one point because I just thought I I don't need to pay that close of attention it's not you know you you lose stuff then you like the the cheese straws and and, and things like that I think I I still the cheese straws like I said about The Stranger, you know, it is one of those sort of airport novel, you know, very sort of thinly drawn characters, but the plot's meant to bounce you along. But again, you know, unless they reveal something about what's happened in the present, you know, what is there to cling on? None of the... No, the, none of the chi- side characters None of the children, you know, we've got the loveless marriage of the older daughter, the ongoing affair of the younger daughter, and whatever's going on with Russell Tovey, that's all. <laughs> that's just yeah. completely like... I, I, I don't get it. I, I, I know that ITV have uh, a demographic, and I know if I was being kind to it, this will certainly appeal to that demographic. But try something different. Surprise me. Excite me. Don't make me watch the same drama week after week. And then this is going to be replaced by Liar next week, which no, we, is we, basically I th- the same thing. I think next week we're going to be doing quite a lot of ITV dramas, aren't we? So yeah. we shall see yeah. if any any excitement or tense or... What was the other word you used? Uh, excite me, tempt me, surprise me. Surprise you. I don't think the surprise will be... To me, all they're doing is, is changing the actors but putting them in the same show, pretty much. Um, all this week at 9 o'clock, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday, Flesh and Blood is going to be what they call in the biz stripped across the week. Next up, then, is a story similar in, in tone. It's about two elderly people who... Fall in love when they were young, lose touch, and reconnect by the I don't wonders think it's of similar Facebook. at all. Well, it's <laughs> similar in as much as it's two elderly people in love. That's I'm but fair. they're not. Yeah, I you know, and there's this, a family, dysfunctional family. Each uh, got a member of the pair has a family. So Anne Reed, Celia has upper class well-to-do teacher Sarah Lancashire, Caroline. Then uh, Derek Jacobi's Alan has. Nicola Walker's Gillian, who lives and works on the family farm. We pick up several years on. Um, Celia and Alan have been married for seven years, and there's tensions beginning to show in their relationship. Alan's brother Ted, played by Timothy West, is coming over to stay with them. They've since moved away from Caroline, and they've got their own massive bungalow. Caroline's working for a different school. Gillian's still on the farm. That is Last Tango in Halifax. This is the fifth series now. We haven't seen this since Christmas of 2016. I know. I was trying to work out when it was, you see, in my yeah. brain. There was three full series, wasn't there? And then there was that yeah. weird Christmas special about weird. ghosts and a play. Yeah, and- I remember us not particularly liking those Christmas specials. It was just a bit odd. And was that how, when they wrote sort of Dean Andrews out of it and they, they finally said that she'd killed her husband? Yeah. You know? Tonally, it was completely different I, to what yeah. had come before. Whereas this is, I would say, a return to form. I love this. Um... I, 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 I think I know exactly what Luke's going to say. He's going to say realistic dialogue, characters yes. you can warm to, believable yes. situations. Yes. Apart yeah. from the Tony Gardner, Ronnie Ancona stuff, which oh, you absolutely hated. I always forget about them as well. <laughs> and then they pop back up and I'm like, oh, God, why do you have to 
Yeah. The overtly sort of comic stuff in those scenes. She's this sort of massive author now, the Ju- uh, Ronnie and Kona's Judith, and this woman from the publishers is living with them so she should stop her drinking and things like that. And that all felt totally clunky. But I think the stuff in this with Alan applying for a job at a supermarket... Yeah. And all these arguments about money and things like that seemed completely, yeah. you know, they've got woodworm in the farmhouse, Raph's training as a teacher now. And, and I thought that was good. I didn't expect that. Yeah. That was really good. A, a second child and things like that. So all of that stuff was really good. And, and just the dial, you know, like there was a, a line where Celia said, you know, oh, Egg, Eggheads is starting. I need to end this conversation. Things <laughs> like that. It is just, you know, warm and comforting. And, and as Luke would say, human drama. I'll get that Thank in there. You as well I did have a question for you though because you're this is the sort of drama where you go why can't we make more things like this blah 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 blah. would you not get bored if everything was like this though do you not need that variety give me an example of something that isn't like it then I mean because like okay utopia isn't is is about as far removed from from this as you can get and though I still for me, it's okay, about, something, it's like, about something car- like the capture, which was a thriller last yeah, year. Just, you know, that, yeah, that was something different. You know, like a sort of a, a, th- a thriller element where it's more about mm. the story than the characters. Yeah. You struggled. It just that hollow. Just that hollow to me. That that I is thought. about the plot first and the characters second. You need characters yeah. first. But would you not get bored if it was all that? Because I I feel like I like a variety of different things you know i say like the end of the effing world i really like those characters and i will go on the journey as bonkers and ridiculous as it gets because i really like those too so it doesn't mean that the world always has to feel completely authentic it just means that i i I like to to struggle with a lot of thrillers and things like that you struggle with getting Mm. on board with things like that and i think if everything was like this though it would be Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safety? Safeguarding your goals. Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. We started our company, Girls Who Do Interiors, before we even graduated design school. And we turned to Chase for Business to build along with us. They had everything from banking to payment acceptance to credit cards all in one place. And with the Chase mobile app, our business is wherever we are. It's made for business owners who build to inspire. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Real customers compensated. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, NM member FDIC. The other way around for you, I think, but there you I go. Feel, I feel like everything used to be like this, which is mm. why I'm so obsessive. And, yeah. and, and now there is a, a, a turn to... Let's do these big budget 
somewhat hollow in my yeah. opinion drama, it has but... gone I, I do agree with you to an extent it has become more homogenous there is the look to can we sell this to other countries let's do mm. these big budget things and it has become a more of a monetary thing but i do think you know there were some things last year that you sort of maybe dismissed because you used the phrase i like human dramas this i mean it's great to have these characters back you know it's a it's a great sort of, like cold feet i suppose isn't it it's like putting on that sort of cozy pair of slippers it's um, cozy but again it's not cozy cozy it's no, got an edge to it it's got sort of con- it. it's, it's got conflict i suppose you did have those dark elements with you know like the murder and stuff like that but mm. it's more sort of conflict and and believable arguments about money and i i like how Caroline sometimes as well is sort of quite dismissive of her mum and saying yeah, like love, you know I feel like have... Alan might prove the day that <laughs> yeah I loved all that he's gonna people like getting on the bus what people who likes getting on a bus it's, it's all brilliant I thought it was all brilliant she is particularly a highlight for me Anne Reid I just think anything Sully Wainwright gives us she just reads the hell out of it only four of these though i know it worries me slightly because obviously those two didn't quite work and i'm hoping there is enough story in four i think obviously if she's got an idea for a story and doesn't think it would reach you know it would stretch i think this feels very much like there are different you know elements of the story that are all going to sort of play out over the you know and i i think maybe We've introduced everything we are going to introduce. We're not going to sort of include any more in here. And and it is very conversational, the dialogue, I think, which we both appreciate. And apart from, you know, the Judith and John scenes, everything else, I think, does bring true. Okay, last tango in Halifax. For the next four Sundays, and I know we, or I, I shouldn't bring Matt into this, I always say, does scheduling matter, blah, blah, blah. I think Sunday nights, after Call the Midwife or Anti-Exposure or whatever it is, perfect place for this it's never been on sunday nights before and i think it's the right place sunday nights nine o'clock bbc one you're listening to the custard tv podcast the official podcast of the custardtv.com we will talk about the second and third episodes of rishi smith and, and steve pemberton's anthology drama comedy thriller whatever you want to call them they are well, they're not tied down to one thing. That's why we love him so much. Inside number nine, uh, the second episode uh, called Death Not Be Proud. Almost. Uh, this... Death oh. Be Not Proud. Oh, well, they're just trying to be clever there, <laughs> aren't they? So this was an episode with Jenna Coleman and her boyfriend. They're moving into this flat. They've heard whispers of somebody being killed. And this was the episode that the BBC gave critics the first, I think, eight minutes of and then said, you're not seeing anything else. And the yeah. reason they did that was because at about that mark, it's revealed that this is kind of a kind of a follow-on to their other hit, Psychoville. It's with... a secret Psychoville episode. Yeah. Really. It's just so brilliantly done. Well, it was sort of the build-up was, we've got this flat for a, a cut price. There was a death in it at some point. The Jenna Coleman character contacts the old owners and it turns out to be uh, David Sourbutts who you know alongside his mum were, were two of the characters in Psychoville and it is told in sort of flashback about how he and Sarah Solmani were living there you know and it, and it did have the gothic edge of the Psychoville episode so she was being Maureen was being kept in the bath and they got rid of most of the body but kept her head in the in the in the wall and it had like the little moments Mr Jelly the clown 
uh, featured in there as well. And and the the final scene was them doing the the Superman, Superman. dance, which was a a psychoville thing, wasn't it? But we also had was it Soldier Boy? Crank that by Crank Soldier that, Boy, which yeah. was a, a nice little addition. Uh, but no, I I thought it flowed along really really great i i would be interested to know if someone who watched this who didn't get the psychoville references if it worked as much for them and i also found the ending to be a bit odd that jenna coleman killed her partner mm. at the yeah. end and uh, him in the bath, so david as well why should you know wish she was being controlled by maureen's head i didn't i didn't understand that they possibly needed to it didn't explain. really need a twist ending that one no no yeah. no no, because the twist was that it was a psychobile. Unless it was sort of this was his sister or something like that. You know, that would have been an interesting twist that she had another child. On the whole, I thought the ending might be it was a little bit easy. You know, we needed to kill David off so we could do David and Maureen's ghost doing the Superman at the end. But apart from that, I really enjoyed this and I enjoyed being in the company of, of these Psychoville characters. And we were having a discussion, weren't we, about could they have brought anyone else back? But I think everyone else everyone was killed off. Didn't survive. I just thought it was pretty perfect. And I agree about the ending. I, I didn't really fully understand why Jenna Coleman did what she did at the end. That character hadn't shown those tendencies or, or anything before. But I just thought... Rishi Smith and Steve Pemberton, they've had huge success with everything they've done, but they never forget that they work for the fans, and they, they did a nice thing for the fans who who love Sokerville and Inside Number 9 and bringing them together. And it must, it must have been a brave thing to pitch as well, because people would say, what if people don't remember Sokerville? How will people feel if they've never seen it? But I like that they just stuck to their guns and did this episode in their series, and I, I can't wait every week for when Inside Number 9 comes on. Episode 3 was called Love's Great Adventure. Yeah. Trevor and Julia, who uh, wanted to make Christmas really special for the family, they'd been looking after their grandson. We didn't know for a long period where that young boy's father was. They've also got a teen daughter of their own who's learning to drive. Rishi Smith's uh, teaching her to drive. She wants uh, an expensive prom dress and they're a family who struggle to make ends meet. But as I say, Christmas is always something they try and aim for. to make Save for, don't for the they? Family. Yeah. And the whole structure of this was centred around an advent calendar. So we saw various days. We saw the advent calendar being opened and the number nine, de- the number nine wasn't open for the longest period. It was a kitchen sink drama and mm. I don't think... Rishi Smith and Steve Pemberton have really done that before. No, there's and been it, elements of it, hasn't there, in in other episodes? I, I was I thinking Twelve Days of Christine's probably the closest they've come. I was yet. thinking the first half of To Have and To Hold was the closest True. until True. you find out about his, you know, his secret basement. That was all, you know, playing jigsaws in bed and things like that. That was all very True. mundane yeah, and I, things I, I like that. And I yeah. think the thing with Inside Number 9 is you are always trying to uh, wait for that twist. And I think something like, you know, the football one we talked about in the first episode, the twist was quite secondary. And, it, yeah. and here again, you know, they didn't make the twist... Well, a lot of of people missed it. A lot of people missed it. I don't know whether we should spoil it or not, but a lot of people missed what the twist was. You know, I had mixed feelings about the episode as a whole, but I thought the family drama aspect, Mm. and again, going back to what I always... What was her name, sorry? 
Debbie Rush. Debbie Rush, who is known for Corrie as well. So that was yeah. an interesting casting decision, I think, to have someone who's known for sort of like a family drama sort of thing. And, the, and I thought the young actors as well, who played the daughter mm. and the grandson, were, were very good as well. I thought there would be a little bit more to Rishi Smith's character. And I don't know if he was sort of in on knowing what had happened with the, the loan shark and I everything didn't, I like didn't that. Read, I didn't read it that way. No, because... You know, him offering to pay for the for the damage in the car. He was sort of asking about the the brother as well before he yeah. appeared on screen. I'm not sure if I... But I, I think the most touching scene for me was the bit with Shearsmith and Pemberton where Shearsmith was grieving for his late wife. You know, they were just there drinking beers. And I thought that was really well done. And it was sort of a tribute to, like, the dramas of, like, Mike Lee and and Ken Loach and they do as you say like a 12 days of Christine can come out in in the middle of nowhere or a, a Bernie Clifton's dressing rooms uh, where it is more just characters and you're not necessarily waiting for that twist and I liked the sort of the opening of the advent calendar things like that for that structure and everything there was believable the the daughter with the prom the, dress the, and the, the driving lesson dynamic I could watch a series with these people because yeah they're lovely people it's yeah. a nice home it's again it's relatable and, all, and all the, my usual catchphrases the actress playing the the daughter as well as like i'm sure i recognize it from somewhere and it's because i've seen the trailer for military wives about eight yeah. times yeah um, and she's quite prominent in that as well she's playing uh, one of the military wives oddly um, so really i think i probably preferred this one and despite the psychoville crossover I think this was possibly my favourite of the two because I think we both gravitate towards the inside number nines which aren't as sort of overtly the, gothic the more or intimate horror, ones. The more yeah. intimate ones, yeah. So, I, th- I mean, I, I would recommend watching both of them but I think people will get more out of uh, Love's Great Adventure. Inside number nine continues Mondays at 10 on BBC Two uh, and uh, you must check it out if you've never seen it. Right then, it's time for the Rewind. He's not a performing monkey. I've just played the jingle. You've got a jingle, you know. I I did a bit of a sort of binge on the podcast because I hadn't listened to it in a while. And I was like, oh, he has has actually got one. So I thought, you know, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll leave it out. I'll play it now. Let me play this backwards. So we are up to episodes 7 and 8 of Judd Apatow and Paul Feig's NBC sitcom from 1999, Freaks and Geeks. We are re-watching it as part of this feature where we revisit uh, either shows one of us has seen, both of us have seen, and just talk about what makes them so good. Before we go into this, I just wanted to say, because I was doing a bit of reading around, I was just reading about sort of the cameos that were in the series. Obviously, there is quite a big sort of recognisable face in the, in this episode. And I also read as well that the, the network is another NBC edict that the creators didn't pick up on, that apparently they wanted to uh, cast Britney Spears in an episode as a waitress, apparently. Oh, good God. No, Carded and Discarded, episode seven, directed by Judd Apatow, written by Judd Apatow and Paul Feig. Interestingly, we've spoken on The Rewind that it's been Lindsay-centric and Lindsay's story is what we've both latched onto. And actually the the geek side is is more sort of stereotypical and often the B-plot that you don't really remember. But this one, I thought, the geeks really shone. And yeah. I really like this episode. I, I this... thought there was a balance, a good balance, yeah. I think. In, 
probably both of these actually had a good balance because I think the last two we talked about, the the geeks had the same story in both really, wasn't it? You know, it was about growing up, puberty, things like that, not knowing where they fit in. So this episode, uh, episode uh, carded and discarded, these stories are Sam, Neil and Bill. Uh, they befriend a pretty new transfer, transfer student called Maureen who they take a shine to and she seems to genuinely like them and they just enjoy having a part of a group and then as you can imagine it becomes which one of us is going to ask her out which one of us can date her they mm. start seeing Maureen talk to other people in the school people that they have you know worries about or no connections with so the, the, the popular cheerleader stops and talks to her and they're like if she goes over to that table we'll never she'll never come back to us once she's met everybody much cooler than us and i think that was quite a relatable thing of not of wanting to lose a friend that you just made i thought it was really well done yeah and genuine and yeah. yeah yeah it does ring true with that and i i don't know if this is something that that one of the right apatowfee sort of had experience but it did feel very real and and them not wanting the cheerleader to to sort of you know mentioning them as pod people once they've got them and they've got them sort of thing and i don't know if she comes back uh, maureen ever i was um, thinking that i don't think so this is sort uh, of my favorite geek storyline of the series i think everything we've seen at this point has been variations on things you know not wanting to take your clothes off in the school showers but this felt brand new it felt relatable i really liked it and i I suppose what i liked about it as well is that they didn't instantly crowd around her going oh we want a new friend she was sitting at the table at lunch that they always sit at it's like she was like oh i'm sorry is this your table and they were like oh no no please join us and it was their sort of friendship and hospitality that launched onto and then you know when the more popular kids look at her it's like oh you know i don't want to spend time with you anymore the ending where she went to sit over with the cheerleaders and they're all giving her advice don't forget boys are only after one thing and she said i'm not moving back to florida i'm just going to go and sit over there and her actually offering them to come with her sort of thing as well was a nice touch i thought yeah i really like the montage when they were firing the rocket and i like the fact that this girl genuinely appeared to enjoy their company and it did feel like a proper friendship even though they did do the sort of who's going to ask her out it wasn't all about that it was about having this new person in their lives and trying to keep them on side impress them and it was really well done in a way like Lindsay's been doing hasn't she in the Mm. the series with with the freak but in a different way you know she wants to be friends with you know I don't think they're ever sort of pushing her are they nothing so, no. you know, they're trying to sort of push her away maybe from making new friends, but all of it had that sort of authenticity to it. And the B-plot here, I'd, I'd say the, the geek um, yeah. stuff was the B-plot, started with <laughs> um, the guidance counsellor who we love um, yeah. trying to talk to them all in the office about, what was it actually, what was the, oh, was it going to college or something? or am I it, was, it was just all about sort of their sort of lack of enthusiasm, because he... Right specifically then targeted Lindsay after they'd all left to say, I, I don't know why you're hanging around with these people, you need to be ap- uh, applying for colleges soon and things like that. I think the, the initial scene was him trying to encourage them to be more involved in school generally and, and then singing an Alice Cooper song to them. 
Then Lindsay receives $300 from family friends for a college fund, which she then spends on fake ID when they learn that a local band is playing at a club. It's a club you need an ID to get into. So it's about them procuring the IDs, struggling to get them, and then entering the club and finding out that Jeff, the guidance counsellor, is actually the lead singer of this band they've been desperate to see and heard so many good things about. The nice little sort of wrinkle here is that Lindsay, they didn't need to see her ID because there's that insinuation that, that girls, they'll just let into the club, yeah. whatever, whereas, like, the guys, and there's the nice gag with... Life is full of surprises. Some good, some not so much. Hola, it's Honey. Hola, it's Carolina. Y sabes que estar preparado para cualquier cosa es importante. Whether that's in our roles as mothers, wives, businesswomen, or podcasters. On our show Life in Spanglish, you know that being open to unexpected turns has been an important part of our success. Pero we can use some help. Oh yes, la buena ayuda is welcome. Y si pasa algo, tranquilitos. Isn't it good knowing that with a State Farm agent, you can worry less because someone will be personally invested in safeguarding your goals. Plus, they have the options to talk to a real person whenever a customer needs, especially when those unexpected turns come up. It's the personalized attention you can count on. Aprende más en es.statefarm.com. Como un buen vecino, State Farm está ahí. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Plus free samples and free shipping. Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off, plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Um, so they initially go to um, a character played by Jason Schwartzman, who was the, the, you know, I was alluding to earlier, the sort of the famous mm. face who pops up here, who works at like a, a, an apparel store as an assistant, but has a sort of sideline in procuring fake IDs. And they are stopped from buying beers when uh, Jeff uh, recognises them in the crowd and, and says can't just give them beer they need your finest pop that episode had everything that i've come to know mm. and love from the show and just... don't forget uh pit oh the <laughs> parents are so good why can't we get a spin-off with just those two they're so good I know yeah the, got... da- the, the dad wanting them all to play this game on a friday night where it's like a sort of stockbroker mm. game what was it in some countries you know, you'd we would be able to kill you if you didn't respect us. Was that one mm. of his lines? I just find myself. I think the funniest bits are the parents. Those the ones that the lines seem to make me laugh out loud the most. Uh, and so the the next episode we watched was called "Girlfriends and Boyfriends," a story about geeks getting lab partners. Sam is paired up with the local boy who who smells. Unfortunately, he sort of knows that he smells. Uh, and doesn't is it want Gordon? To Gordon, that's it, yeah. And then Bill is set up with Cindy Sanders, who Sam has had a crush on, and 
become this very who's, enraged... Whose role up to now has been saying, Hi, Sam. Hi, Sam. In each, yeah. each episode. Yeah. And she does it really well. And then the B plot, of, or the, the other plot of this, yeah. is, is uh, Lindsay and Nick reluctantly trying to move their relationship onto a more physical plane when uh, his well, parents Lindsay's go out Lindsay's still not sure how much she actually likes Nick, I suppose, is the, the thing, thing is, you know? I was t- The thing I was trying to think about, and I hadn't really thought about it before, does she like Daniel? Does she like Nick? Does she just like hanging out with them yeah, as a group? Yeah, well, because we, I think we'd previously said that she was intrigued by Daniel previously when she started spending time with the group. I, I saw the shift when the Kim Kelly episode, I think... Yeah. When she saw Kim's affection towards behind, Daniel. Yeah, behind the scenes a bit of their lives a bit more. And I think the stuff with the tests as well sort of turned her against Daniel a bit. But I'm not sure how much she sort of really likes. You know, it was the kiss at the end of the band episode where she sort of tried to sort of cheer him up. And she hasn't sort of said, I don't want to be your girlfriend. I think it's one of those things where she doesn't quite know what she wants. And I think that what what makes the character quite interesting is i think she's as you say attracted to them as a group rather than than any particular member of the group and i think she sort of has ingratiated herself in there once sort of she and kim became more um harmonious with each other um and she sort of i think the daniel sort of demystified himself with the sort of the lines that he used at the test and things like that and and we also found out in the previous episode that he's actually 18 as well yeah left back twice yeah um could have been three times if he hadn't cheated on that test um i have to say now i enjoyed this episode a lot i like again i think i was drawn more to the gig stuff and some mm-hmm. surprising um friendship with gordon after yeah so in in that bit i suppose is that he gets jealous of Bill spending time with Cindy here, Cindy, you know, inviting Bill around to her house, them sort of here. The Bill uses the phrase cutting the cheese in both episodes here. Right. Yes. <laughs> um, and, and then Gordon giving some advice about finding out her schedule, joining the same clubs as her going to the yearbook and they, they end up spending more time together Selling ads again, a great scene with the dad. Favourite scene, that's my favourite scene. You know what you should do? You should split up. And you'd you'd uh, sell just, way more ads. Again, John Francis Daly's brilliantly expressive face where he's just yeah. communicating via his yeah. eye movements. Yeah. I wasn't massively into the actress playing Cindy. Now she, she's no, sort of... She's- She's kind of too sugary sweet. For I don't know if it's the performance they wanted from her or the character or the actress, but in the end, you know, she spends more time with Sam, but the, the sort of the kicker is that you're just like my sister sort of thing is the, yeah. is the line she says to him and, and he's sort of confiding in him about the, the jock that she likes. And there's a lovely little Sam and Lindsay scene at the That's end. I was, just, I was just going to say that. So I've got two favourite bits of every Freaks and Geeks is, it's either the parents with them round the dinner table. I always look forward to those. And then just the little scenes that Sam and Lindsay have. When they come together, I just think the d- dynamic as brother and sister and the chemistry between John Francis Daly and uh, Linda Cardellini is just so sweet. Of the two, I think the episode seven was probably the, yeah, the strongest. I think Girlfriends and Boyfriends, I think, possibly was a little bit too 
conformative to things we'd see in other shows. Yeah. The the geek storyline again, I think, was the 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 more sort of believable, you know. And I think the stuff with Sam and Cindy later on, the sort of almost like the friend zone, as they would say, yeah. felt like something that had happened to yeah. to one of the writers here. But yeah, I think this was a sort of more traditional high school tale so yeah. again it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens in uh, 9 and 10 which we've got coming up next week let me play this backwards and now for a special treat I managed to get hold of the very busy blokes from the Wolford Weekly podcast to talk about the f- the 35th anniversary of the BBC soap Alex and Ben, welcome along. Hello, thank you. Hello. These four episodes, this week of EastEnders had a lot uh, riding on it in terms of, you know, it's a big anniversary. The 30th still resonates with me. I still liked all the build-up and the, the live episodes of the 30th. In terms of anniversary weeks, because you are EastEnders obsessive, so probably remember the 15th anniversary the 25th all that sort of stuff where does this rank where do these four episodes rank for you so i think quite highly like i i'm quite impressed with you know the budget of eastenders isn't always the highest but what they managed (laughs) to pull off this week is actually quite impressive like it didn't look cheap and the stunts didn't look bad no they they sunk a boat (laughs) i didn't expect that to happen (laughs) Quite high for me. It's better than the week when they were stuck in the Vic with a bomb going off on the outside. There was a World War Two bomb. Matt, you sort of have been dipping in and out, and you came back on board to watch these four. So you had a bit of a crash course in the last couple of months, and then I did watched about sort of a week's worth, uh, months worth in about a week. So God, that was that was fun. Yeah, I'm a bit of I'm a bit of a fair weather EastEnders viewer, sort of tend to jump on just before christmas and then stop watching but you know i thought i'd build up in anticipation of this and and i did watch these this week well i did like the sort of the way that they did like they structured it throughout the week as i sort of equated it to jackie brown the way they sort of did different bits of the story and then sort of friday's episode was putting it all together and there was a bit of a reservoir dogs element as well on thursday evening with the uh the three the guns being pointed sort of three ways as well that was my least favourite element of the whole thing, when they turn into gangsters. Always my least favourite element of anything that EastEnders ever does. I was trying to work out the seven hours thing, because every episode started with a big shock in the water, and then it was seven hours earlier. What time did you make that? I was trying to work out, because Mick had been going around in that green suit for like the whole day, and I couldn't work (laughs) out when... Was it about midday-ish, would you say, when... When they, were they, they setting off? The, they got on the coach at 3pm, I think. Mm. Okay. So that... ride, and then it becomes dark. And then... Did they, they have to stop at services or anything? Or was it... <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Big, it... Big Mo um, had quite a lot of wine and alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> he probably had to stop off. A bladder's not good as it used to be. Very small bladder. <laughs> oh, that's a horrible image I've got now. No, just in... Okay. <laughs> image. It feel like something special and... Was that what what makes it stand out for you two? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there. It felt special. It felt like it was an anniversary episode. They came out. They came out of the square. It was um on the Thames. Uh, I I mean the favourite for me was the at the end of the week. I thought Friday's episode was just outstanding. I really enjoyed. 
um, uh, the the coming together of all the stories and the plot. I I, I expected spoiler Dennis to die, um, but yeah. at the same time it felt surprising. It still felt surprising, even though I expected it. And I think it was quite nice that they kept the Whitney story um, like bubbling along underneath. And like, right at the very end, you saw nice a nice water up. reference there. Well done. Yeah, you know, <laughs> drop him in when I can. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and it, it, I think it was quite understated what they did with Whitney. And I thought that was nice that they did it that way rather than make Because I was really worried that they started the week with Whitney and Mick. And I thought, oh, goodness me, is it going to yeah. be just Whitney and Mick's relationship and Linda getting upset about it? But it wasn't. And it, and for me, that's that's what Kate brought it all together. I thought the coming together on Friday was really mm. good. Yeah, I mean, they managed to get a lot of different storylines in all together, didn't they? Sort of by doing that with the different sort of plot elements and things like that. And they've set a lot of stuff up for for the future as well. So I, I liked all of that. The one thing that got me a bit was that Keanu didn't really go back to that warehouse to see where Callum was. He just sort of left on the tube. The fact that Callum was completely blind to finding an exit. Yeah, <laughs> it fell, just fell down. <laughs> it was oh. very dark in there. Well, um, Sh- Shirley found a way in. Yeah, but Shirley found, yeah, Shirley found his great big door gaping hole in the warehouse, you know, mm. to find it going in and out. Um, and to say it's dark, surely he's adjusted to the light, so his eyes should be almost owl-like. I thought the episode was really strong, as you say, and really exciting, but... The, the death that they teased, I was a bit disappointed with the deathy, the the dead person. But then you think about what the repercussions of that will be, and it's quite interesting, it, isn't it? It's the impact it has, rather. Yeah. That I think I think they did well in picking the character that you won't really miss, but whose death will impact on a lot of characters. And you know, like Ian would locked him in the room, and obviously, you know, it was Phil and Ben who caused the disaster in the first place, and things like that. So there's a lot of people it will affect without really affecting the, the makeup of the show. But it does worry me that they keep killing off legacy characters all the time and every adult has a, half their children killed within the past <laughs> seven years and they point. just replace that legacy character with a new baby That's so they name them to their dad or their mum all the time mm. so for me it feels a little short-sighted like in 10 years time are we going to miss the grandson of Den Watts coming back. And there's so much that they could have done with Sharon as like a matriarch with a teenage son. That's now not going to happen. But as long as the aftermath is done well, then I don't mind. Do you feel like the show is back on, on good ground now? Because you've been doing your podcast for a while and you've gone through a few, mm. gone through John York and Dominic Tritwell Collins and all these different people. <laughs> and the con- guy who shan't be named uh, <laughs> because he did all that stuff with the bins and all stuff John O'Connor do you feel like it's do you feel like it's on a um, even keel now it's got his feet back on the ground it's improved there's more improvements than not like the the use of the cast being equally given storylines and people aren't just being kept in their families on their sets and not interacting with each other that's improved mm. but it is very headline grabbing like there's been a lot of deaths suddenly and a lot of guns and a lot of characters who are acting out of character like martin who's completely done a 180 now he's a gangster so some things don't settle well with me but it's still a massive improvement on what we did have. It's it's very much, I think, a Kate Oates show now, from what the impression I get from people who have said what she did with Emmerdale and Coronation Street. As Ben said, it's a sensationalist, almost for sensationalism's sake. I mean, you can only do that for so long before people become numb to it. And so yeah. I think that they need to just take a pace back and just stop being on the roller coaster quite so much. I mean, it's exciting for a viewer right now, as a viewer right now, but 
perhaps in about six months time if it carries on going at this very fast pace we might find ourselves a little bit a bit Hollyoaks a bit Hollyoaks yeah that's what we <laughs> yeah, say on the podcast say Hollyoaks yeah. as, well. <laughs> as I say having watched sort of a month's worth recently the stuff that sort of works is almost like the quietest stuff I mean mm-hmm. Luke me and you have said we both enjoyed the stuff with Gene Slater and Adrian Edmondson and, and also the Keegan storyline yeah. as well with the sort of the you know the race relations and things like that they've been my sort of favourite ones yeah I, I completely agree um, and the same almost the background stories have been the ones that have kind of been more gripping and actually funnily enough they seem to be the ones that a lot of people talk more about which is obviously mm-hmm. the point so uh, they're relatable storylines mm, like people yeah. can actually relate yeah. to those storylines whereas you can't relate to Ben Mitchell at all there's nothing I can relate to him with his gangsters and murdering someone who had an affair with his stepmom it's, mm. it's just unrelatable I- I suppose the relatability is the relationship with Callum. I think that's possibly what people are thinking, you know, people will latch on to. I mean, people love that Callum story, don't they? <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly pulled people in. Do you think this was an improvement on Christmas or do you think the, the two sort of stand alone? Because Christmas, compared to this, Christmas was quite low-key, really, wasn't it? <laughs> it worked better it, than Christmas. I yes, think. I think it, it structurally it was better because the story was coherent and it was a full story from the whole arc from monday down to friday it was complete well at christmas it seemed to jump around a lot and i also think it was quite clever how they they've done this stunt and normally when a soap does this you're waiting till friday to see the stunt like on emmerdale when they had that big crash pile up Mm. it's almost done in five minutes whereas the way they Mm. struck this week the whole week we were watching this big stunt carry out Mm, they got got their money worth for the stunt Mm. (laughs) absolutely and also, I suppose it's because because the majority of people were there. This isn't going to be another bus crash where they're all involved, and the next week they're not discussing the bus crash. This mm. is going to have affected a lot of the characters. So mm. it, it was quite quite a very clever thing to do in the end. I mean, they've shown a trailer, um, and it looks as though it, there's going to be you know the fallout of it is discont. So it's it's almost like anniversary week is spilling over to the following week, and that that's mm. nice too because it means that anyone who did dip their toe in the water. Oh, <laughs> oh stop now, I feel seasick. <laughs> um, uh, and, and, and watch the soap again. Uh, you know, they, they'll be more inclined to watch it again this week as well and perhaps yeah. keep an audience figure. Do you think they made a big enough splash then? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to edit this all out because the people won't appreciate it. What would you like to see happen now as Big EastEnders fans? I know you like to make predictions on things but what's the next thing you're looking forward to and what would you like to see come of the boat week either story-wise or character-wise i want it to be planned out and not just have a few weeks of characters mentioning denny's death and then that's the end of it like lucy the Mm. death of lucy bill you're still seeing storylines coming off of that now and that was five years Mm. ago so that's the one thing i hope that dennis as a legacy character who's died that we get story branches Mm. from I'm just hoping it doesn't ruin Ian as a character like it ruined Max when he was involved with Stephen Bill stuff. Let's talk about, just briefly, um, the stuff that wasn't on the boat. So we end. Deck your home with blinds.com. DIY or let us install. Free design consultation. Free samples and free shipping. Free, 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 free. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to buy custom high-quality window treatments with no showroom mock-ups or waiting around for quotes from pushy salespeople, saving you time and money for the holidays with upfront pricing right on our website. Go right now to Blinds.com. Satisfaction guaranteed. Satisfaction guaranteed. Shop Blinds.com's Green Monday sale. Get up to 45% off, plus doorbuster deals. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Kathy and Sharon together. Kathy delivering so, that baby for me was a little bit unbelievable. That just sort of, <laughs> that happened very quickly. I know. She she really had the skills as a midwife, didn't she? She <laughs> When the baby came out and wasn't crying, and Sharon was like, why is it not crying? And Kathy knew the, exactly the right thing to do. <laughs> didn't even yeah. didn't need to Google it. She was there so rubbing the back of the chest. And <laughs> What did you think of those that pairing? Because they, they had an, a strange relationship, not only recently, but throughout the show. So it was kind of a nod to the past to bring those two together on this anniversary yeah kathy was throwing out the references she talked about angie i mean i love the moment when sharon said i missed my miss my mum that was really lovely <laughs> i love that I, moment. I should have said because i saw her in panto so she's doing all right for herself she's oh, okay. Oh, no, I saw I saw Letitia Dean in Panto back in so the day. So did I. She forgot yeah. all her lines in 1991 <laughs> when I saw her. Oh, no, mine was sort of 96, and June Brown was in it as well in the same oh. Panto. Mm. Gosh, that'd be like your perfect Panto, guys. I did. I'd die after I'd seen it. <laughs> <laughs> no more need to do anything else in life. That was Crew Lyceum, I believe. Crew? Yeah, and Crew, yeah. Wow. I, th- I thought you were going to say something like the Palladium or something. <laughs> what did you think of the bits that weren't on the boat? So all the Sonia and, and Leo and Martin stuff. Well, didn't the Leo gel. stuff was a yeah, bit... it didn't gel. All that stuff for me, it. though, it's, it, it went all very Luther, didn't it, when he was hiding <laughs> in the loft? Mm. Was that a nod to Lofty, do we think? <laughs> <laughs> I never linked oh, yeah. it, but you never know. <laughs> Could be. Very true. It was, it was in Ooh. the loft. I thought maybe it might have been, but but how did you feel about that? How that was resolved, and now no spoilers. Uh, Whitney's in prison or on remand next week. Don't mm-hmm. you think they give that character almost too much of a difficult life to be going on with? She's a bit of a troubled one, isn't yeah. she? She just one thing happens one after another. She doesn't have a rest. <laughs> the actress is so capable, though. That oh, she does. Absolutely, you can give her any storyline, and I'll sit and watch it. Mm. She's she's great, but I found it odd that Sonia was so calm about the dead body. Mm. I mean, when she found out that um, her daughter was taking drugs that had been um, like a bad batch of drugs, and she just kind of brushed it away. So forget about that, Martin. There's another thing you need to see in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Went, yeah. That line she gave to the coppers about a kettle being broken, though, I'd be <laughs> suspicious after that. Yeah. <laughs> I know, especially when it was eight, nine o'clock at night. I was just heading out to Argos to get a new kettle. It's like. <laughs> get one online now son yeah 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 Same day delivery. kicking and screaming in the 21st century is our song it was a bit of a triumph and we'll remember it in years to come if we're still podcasting by the time of the 40th then um i'm sure that will have a lot to live up to as well now matt did you Hello. do the homework i sent you i set I, you i did and i have got two sets of questions so right, i don't know so. if both of them want to have a ben. go them. Alex, do you yeah. want to go head to head in EastEnders Boxmaster, or do you want to play as a team like a pair of cowards? We're going to go head to head. I'm I'm up <laughs> this big time. <laughs> okay. So who's going first? I will. I don't know what it is. I'll go. 
We should go <laughs> alphabetically, really. Alex and Ben, we should go alphabetically. Oh, that's me oh, first, Okay, then. fine. <laughs> I'm not playing. <laughs> okay, it's time for a special edition of Boxmaster putting two EastEnders obsessives to the test on their favourite show. Okay, let's begin. The bonus category, I have got three bonus categories, so as you're going first, Alex, you can pick between Happy Anniversary and New Faces. Um, I will have ha- New Faces. New Faces. Ooh, okay. almost didn't. The, the, the bonuses will come at questions three, six, and nine, as is tradition. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, question number one. Uh, what surname links the characters Etta, Hattie, and Celestine? Trevernier. Yeah, well done. Question number two. Uh, when Robbie Jackson uh, initially left the square, with whom did he leave Wellard with? Oh, <laughs> I know. Oh, oh. I know this, do you? Oh, can I buzz in? No. <laughs> no. It doesn't feel like that. Left Wellard with. Oh, he, uh, uh, did he leave with Bianca? No. What? Ben knows. Gus. Gus, well done, Good but well. you don't get any points. Okay, so <laughs> new faces are your first bonus. Which character was originally played by Terence Beasley in 1996 before Jamie Foreman took over the role in 2011? I know this. Oh, do you? 2011. All right, that sounds so surprising. <laughs> I know something. Oh, no. Um, uh, do you know? I'm not saying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, any guesses? No, I'm, 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 I'm going to kick 96. yourself. Will I? Um, no, I'm going to guess. 96 and 2011. Are they still in the soap? No. no. The family is. Luke. <laughs> um. Come on, time's up. Oh, I don't know. I can't guess. <laughs> Not guessing. Go on, Luke. Tell him. Derek, Derek Branning. Well done. Oh, oh, Blumenek. I was researching him yesterday. <laughs> Not thoroughly enough. The dreaded year question, as Luke always calls them. Uh, What year saw the very first appearance of Janine Butcher, the departure of Sue and Ali Osman, and the wedding of Frank and Pat? 1980... Either eight or nine. Um, 1988. Oh, it was 89. Question number five. How smug is Ben looking at the moment? (laughs) He's looking really smug, you won't believe. His head has outgrown the room. <laughs> okay. What was the job of Lisa Shaw, later Lisa Fowler, when she first appeared on the show? She was... something to do with... She was something to do with the market. <laughs> you don't get points for singing your answer. I think I'll give you that one because it's sort of in the ballpark. It was, the, it was she was the trainee market inspector. Yeah, so market I'll, inspector. I'll yeah. give you that one. Thank you. <laughs> don't don't sing point. future answers. Sort of knew the the ballpark. Okay. Uh, your second bonus question. Which character, who's been played by seven different actors in total, was first played by Francis Britton Snell? 
seven different actors. Yeah. It's either Martin or Ben. Or Peter. Peter's not had that many different actors, has he? Dunno. <laughs> <laughs> um Ben's had six, I think. So I'm gonna say Martin Fowler. Should have listened to Ben, it was it was Peter. Oh for God's sake. <laughs> Because <laughs> he's he's just they've just snuck one in there this week, haven't they? So that that brings it up to seven for Peter. Of course. <laughs> okay. Question uh, number seven. Uh, what was the reason given for the departure of iconic EastEnders extra Big Ron following the death of actor Ron Tarr? Well, the on-screen reason. Um, yeah. Storyline reason. I should say at this point, I didn't realise Matt hated you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, didn't he leave the country because he did won something? <laughs> yeah, go on. Won what, exactly? Won what? Um, yeah. The, 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 the lottery. Yes, well done, the lottery. He won the lottery, there you go. I think we're hearing a breakdown. I don't know what one looks like, but I think we're hearing the, the, it. Yeah, Boxmaster tends to have that effect on people, doesn't it? It okay. does. When you're on the spot, it really gets you. Okay. Uh, question number eight. How did Tiffany discover the affair between Grant and her mother Louise? Oh, um, through the baby monitor. Well done. Very confident with that one. No hesitation there. Barbara Windsor took over the role of Peggy Mitchell from Joe Wayne in 1994, with her first appearance as the character coming after which incident? Sharon Gates. Yeah, after Sharon Gates. Up by his God, brother. I don't like this well, new cocky version. <laughs> <laughs> Post break, breakdown. Question number 10. Andy O'Brien was the first original EastEnders character to be killed. How specifically did he die? <laughs> I remember this. Andy's Andy. our favourite. Debbie and Andy. I know, I'm trying to think how he died. Oh, I know, I remember, I remember, I remember. He got knocked down by a car after he retrieved a ball from a kid who was playing in the road. Well done. <laughs> Let me just add those up a minute then and we'll see okay. uh, See what, uh, what Alex So how would you have fared, uh, Ben, on Alex's questions? Better. <laughs> Much better. Alex got a, a total of 21 out of 36, I think, so okay. it's all to play for, Ben. So now it's time for Mr. Smug to have his go. Yeah, get ready for this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to sit back now and enjoy this. Uh, question number one. What surname links the characters Dexter, Ava and Sam? Butcher. No. <laughs> no, Dexter. Dexter. Uh, oh, I know this myself. Dexter. I don't know. Pa Mitchell? No, it can't be Mitchell. No, it was Hartman. Hartman. Oh, I don't know who that is. Question. <laughs> <laughs> thought this was Coronation Street. Sorry. Well, sorry, Ben. I didn't ask you what what you wanted as your bonus. So you've got either Happy Anniversary uh, uh, still or Away Days is the other option. Ooh. Uh, I'll do Away Days. We'll have one of those in a minute. But question number two is: uh, the slate has arrived on the square in two thousand. On the day of whose funeral? Ethel Skinner. Well done. 
Okay, and your first bonus in away days. Where were Angie and Den on holiday when the latter found out the former wasn't dying? Uh, Venice. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, we'll go for that. I've, I've put the Orient Express specifically, oh, but... That was on their way. <laughs> Luke, you can be adjudicator. What do you think? I'll allow it, because you're Luke. Yeah. I like you. Sure. <laughs> and a year one for you now, Ben. Which year saw the arrival of Stacey Slater, the departure of Natalie Evans, and the marriage of Patrick and Yolandi? Um, 2003? Oh, a year out again, it's 2004. <laughs> <laughs> what did... I love the other one laughing when one get, when someone gets it wrong. It's so cruel, you just did this. <laughs> <laughs> I feel his pain. What did uh, George Palmer name the nightclub when he bought it in 1996? Um, I'm thinking the den, but it's not. Um, oh, I remember that. E20. <laughs> was, that, was that Alex saying he, he remembered? No, yes, I think it was I, actually. No, no, it's it's something like the it's the it's it's like the the. Like the underground Nothing or... like that, no, no. It was oh. the Cobra Club. Oh, okay. <laughs> I had Snake in my head for some reason. Snake. Cobra, Snake. You're a snake. Thing. Your second bonus question. Uh, which character discovered Pat and Frank's affair during a holiday to Spain in 2000? Oh, I watched this recently. Why? That's <laughs> 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 a YouTube video. Um, okay. Terry? Oh no, you were close. It was Irene. 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 Yeah. I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> I think we got the wrong question. I think we did. You should have had mine. Now you've had yours. <laughs> okay, question number seven. This one's quite a hard one. What was the nationality of former market inspector Alex Shirovs? Oh, I don't know. I don't, no, I don't think he was Polish. No. He was, wasn't he? Because he had, he had a, a second... fake wife. No, he didn't have a fake wife. He had a wife. And then he... <laughs> what he was fake? <laughs> I can't remember. Okay. He's in the Eastern Bloc. Yeah. Yeah. I've got no comment because I don't want to have a soundbite made. La Latvian. So La I think, yeah, I think um, Alex may have been a little bit closer. Question number eight. Your, your final bonus then, Ben. In which oh, yeah. country did Ian Beale find Cindy living in 1997 following her disappearance from the square the prior year? Spain. Uh, no, it's Italy. <laughs> and finally, question number 10. What did Ben Mitchell use to bludgeon Heather Trot with in 2012? A photo frame. Well done. A 99p store. <laughs> <laughs> No, no bonus for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, who is the bigger EastEnders fan? It is actually Alex. <laughs> Why so surprised? <laughs> Cause, yeah. Well, because Ben was acting all cocky during during your round. Well, I'm doing his. Okay, where can people find you online? Where can they listen to your podcast if they want more of you in their lives? Um, well, after this, they may not, but <laughs> they can they can find us on uh, all the good podcast apps and on our YouTube channel. And we're on Twitter at Wolford Weekly. Instagram is the same. And Facebook, just search Wolford Weekly Podcast and join the group. And when does the podcast drop? 
Uh, it comes out every Sunday, every Sunday morning. Well, thank you very much. You can catch Walford Weekly every Sunday on your podcast apps or on YouTube whenever the fancy takes you. Thank you very much, guys. No, thank you. It's Thanks right. for having us on. Good show. The best and the worst on the box. People arrange their lives so they wouldn't miss their favourite programme. It's the Custard TV Podcast. If you want to uh, get involved with the pod, there's several ways you can do it. You can write us a review on any of the podcast apps you use. You can ask your Amazon speaker to play the Custard TV podcast, and she will oblige. Um, Also, we are on um, Facebook. We are at um, custardtvreviews at gmail.com, where the website itself is thecustardtv.com, where you can read reviews uh, on the shows we've talked about inside number nine in this country. Uh, next week, as Matt alluded to, we'll be back talking mostly, I presume, bad ITV dramas. But you never know. We shall see. Don't and, speak uh, too soon. One of those might be your show of the year and you are being dismissive and rude. <laughs> I think we'll end there. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Rate and review us wherever you find us. Search The Custard TV on YouTube, iTunes and Facebook. Selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... As easy as pie? Sure. All you have to do is enter your license plate or VIN. As easy as a stroll in the park. Okay. Then just answer a few questions and you'll get a real offer in seconds. As easy as singing. Why not? Schedule a pickup or drop-off and Carvana will pay you that amount right on the spot. As easy as playing guitar. Actually, I find that kind of difficult. But selling your car to Carvana is as easy as... Can be. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to get an instant offer today.